Lord God. We magnify you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for your worship in the house here tonight. I did want to give a quick update. Uh, Pastor did have his surgery today, um, but everything went just fine. Everything was perfect. Uh, he's actually home right now. They sent him home. Sister Dory's watching over him, I'm sure, giving him good care. Uh, but do you want to thank you all for the prayers that were given to him as well during this time? Anytime you're going under the knife, it's always a serious issue. It's nothing to be taken lightly. So, um, But he, everything is doing well, so we thank God for that. Amen. Um, and the kidsmen and all the youth will be staying up here uh, today, so we won't be dismissing those classes. Uh, but we'll be staying, so you get to, to hear me, Goody. <laughs> uh, why don't we all change, or why don't we all uh, uh, turn in our Bibles to First Peter, First Peter three, and verses we're going to be reading eight through fifteen. First Peter three, verses eight through fifteen. Reading it says, finally be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak in guile. Let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you, if ye be followers of that which is good? But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you, with meekness and fear. There's a lot of context that's right here, and I'll be going into why I kind of read some of the previous verses, but tonight I want to talk about the, the, uh, the topic of the reason for our hope, the reason for our hope as mentioned here today. Let's pray before the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, as we move into this next time of, of hearing the word, y'all, your, your word gives life unto us, Lord Jesus, and I pray, God, as we, we study it here tonight and we get some scriptures from it, Lord, I pray that we would meditate upon it and we would take it in, Lord. I pray that you would anoint the minds of those that are listening to open their hearts and minds to receive your word for what you have tonight. I pray that you would touch my mind and my lips as I deliver the word to the congregation here tonight. But we do it all that maybe we be edify you and learn more about you, Lord, to increase our relationship with you because you are our hope, dear Lord. And we pray, God, that we learn more tonight. And we give you all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. And let the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. So I wanted to give some context of where we said we read several of those scriptures there. Um, and we learned that in this epistle by Peter, when he's, reading, or when he's writing, and we've learned that the believers who receive this letter from Peter, they are... Um, they're, in a, they're on the struggle bus, let's just say that. They are in great need of hope. They're in great need of hope. They've been suffering a lot. They're suffering in many ways as well. If you read all of 1 Peter, they're suffering physically. Some are suffering emotionally, spiritually. And persecution in this day and time were rampant. There were those who were suffering also financially, trying to make ends meet for the family. And it was really affecting the work relationships, their marriage relationships, and their church relationships. Anybody know about that? Amen. I'm not the only one here, right? Peter addresses this in all of this book of the struggles that, the, that this church was going through at these times. Uh, Warren 
uh, Wearsby says in his book, Be Hopeful, he says this, he wrote, and they're talking about the saints here. He says, the important thing for us to know is that these quote-unquote scattered strangers as they were, were going through a great time of suffering and persecution. At least 15 times in First Peter, Peter refers to suffering 15 different times, and he uses the word eight different words to describe this suffering. I know in English we have many words that relate to those other ones, so if you're repeating yourself just saying it a different way, I think he's really trying to get his point across, amen? He said it eight different times. And some of these Christians, they were suffering because they were living godly lives. It's not that they were doing anything wrong. It's not that they were living in sin, but they were living godly lives and doing what was right and good. And others were suffering for the reproach for the name of Christ, just for being a Christian in this day and age. They were being uh, railed against by the unsaved people. Peter wrote to encourage them to be good witnesses of their persecutors and to remember that their suffering is going to lead to glory. So let me ask you here tonight, compared to what was in the Bible, I know we're really in different times, but by signifying the lifting of your hands, how many of you believe in this world today we're experiencing uncertain times and a defining moment in history? Anybody? For those of you that can't see it or watching the audio, there's a lot of the hands that were listed. So that's good. The rest of this message would have been harder if you guys didn't agree with me. So I appreciate that. Uh, <clears throat> we're not, we're the days of time that we live in, even though we live in America, we live in a country that gives us religious liberties for now, and we are thankful for those. Uh, it's not like that all across the world. Other Christians in other parts of the country don't enjoy these same religious liberties. They have to meet not only sometimes in houses but in underground locations. The, the uh, UPCI church, we have missionaries in other countries that we can't even talk about because there's persecution in the land where they, don't want, they want to denounce Christ. They want to kill Christians. It is against the law to even speak about Christianity. So while we have all these unfeeling, uh, unwielding times and uh, things that are going on, um, I, I say all this because I'm not trying to install fear, but I want us to be mindful of the time in which we live in. I want us to be mindful of the time of the spiritual significance that we are in this climate here today. Many non-Christian people are sensing for the very first time a great sense of hopelessness. And unfortunately, some are in the church as well, hopefully not in this assembly, but many have felt that they've lost their faith along this way because not being able to be with believers. There's anxiety as to how this pandemic is really radically changing life in the planet and the fear of the increasing social unrest. There's a lot of unknowns, and people don't seem to have a lot of hope when there's unknown. People like constant. They don't like change. They don't like looking to the future and not knowing what's going on. What hope could there possibly be for a better world for our children, they ask? Where can we find new hope for the present, let alone our future? Where can our friends, our family, our neighbors, and our colleagues find hope? I believe I'm talking to a church of believers. I think that we, looking by across your faces, I think you know the answer to many of this, of what the answer is to our hope. And Paul writes it in Colossians first, uh, chapter 1, 25 through 27. It says, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it's been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles, which is us. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance or the hope of sharing his glory. By having Christ in each and every one of us, having his spirit inside of us, the Holy Ghost, we have a hope for today. We have a hope for tomorrow, and we have hope for the day after 
after, even though we may not be able to see what's coming on the news of the next 24-hour news cycle. We don't know what's going to happen after an election. We don't know what's going to happen after the end of this year, 2021. We can bank on one thing, that Christ is our hope, that we put in a hope that he has an expected end for us. Amen? So, so this hope that Peter's talking about, what does he mean by hope? What is actually meant by this word? What did Peter mean by it? Uh, the word he used, the hope that he used in the scripture, it's um, el peace, is the Greek word for it. And it means a favorable and confident expectation. It has to do with a positive vision of the unseen in the future. It's most frequently used in the New Testament. It talks about a happy anticipation of good. So in Titus 1, 1, 2, it says, Paul, a servant of God and the apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is godliness, and hope for eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. Before the world began, we had hope. There was already an expected in before the world was even began. I was thinking that before the world began. Before the world, I, I've heard that scripture before. What is that? What was it before the word began? I remember John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made which was made. In, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. In the very beginning, God had the word. God had a plan for our hope, an eternal hope that we could have. In 1 Peter, you see this, it said before the world began, he had this. This hope is not just in carnal. It's an eternal hope as well. It's a hope for eternal life. And not only did he promise it, he promised it, as he said, to whosoever will. Whoever was willing to receive his spirit, whoever was willing to receive and come unto him, was have a living hope in him. Peter defines this later on in 1 Peter. He says, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritable, incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. That means that the hope that we have, it's incorruptible. That hope that we have is undefiled. That means it's not going to go away. That means it's not we're going to have hope for today and then tomorrow. God's going to be like, uh, no, forget all that. No, we're, we're, we're changing it up. No, he had a plan from the very beginning, amen? That hope that is within us, that hope that we can share with this lost and dying world as well. Titus 2, verses 13, says, is looking for that blessed hope. The glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're looking forward to the blessed hope. That hope was personalized in Jesus Christ himself. He alone is our hope. He robed himself in flesh. He came to the earth to suffer and to die for us that we might have hope. And this is why our Christian, our Christian hope is different than what the world's hope is. If you ask the world, what are you hoping for? And I'd be like, well, I'm hoping I get off next week. I hope I can take a vacation. I hope I'm getting a raise. You know, I hope I can have a wedding here very soon and no, nothing, you know, have, a, have any issues with that. I have a lot of you know, hoping for things, but nothing guaranteed of what's going to happen, right? But Charles, uh, Chuck Swindoll says it in his book, Hope Again. He says, to the unsaved, hope is nothing more than mental fantasy. It's like and I, I appreciate this. It's like wishing upon a star. 
It's the kind of Disneyland hope that says, I hope I win the lottery. I hope I, my boy comes home someday. I hope everything will work out okay. That's not living hope. That's wishful thinking. There's a difference between the two. Because we can hope for things. Yeah, I hope, I hope 2020 goes away and 2021 is going to be a lot better. I hope the COVID gets out of here and we can live our normal lives. Amen? So I can hope for these things, but unknowing, I, with, I have a great uncertainty about them. But that doesn't change the core hope that we have for an eternal life. That doesn't change that we can look around us and say, I see all these issues that's going on. I see the sadness, the hopelessness, the, the fear. I see it all, but it doesn't change my hope. It doesn't change the affection that I have with the Lord God. Hope is not wishful thinking or even vague aspiration. It's not wanting things to turn out well and crossing our fingers that they turn out well whilst remaining uncertain that they actually, that they actually will. Hope is the absolute certainty we have that God is good and that his promises are true. We stand upon those who that God is good and that his promises that are in the Bible are true. The Bible fully understands this as well. The Bible fully understands that hope is vital to all living people. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred. If you just keep, oh, I don't know if it's going to be good. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Hope deferring that, oh, no, we have no hope. It makes the heart sick. And in today's society, there's so many ways that hope can be shattered. We could have broken bodies with sickness, disease, disaster. We could have broken homes such as divorce or violence or debt or death. Broken lives from drugs and alcohol, crime, bereavement, and broken dreams from ambition and failure. Our own faults, our own defeats and disappointments. And it seems that all these symptoms of our modern society, they're affecting millions of people. They're depriving them of peace, of happiness, and ultimately of hope. That's why you see so many people turn to these sins because they give them, that feel something, you know, I'm, well, maybe everything's going wrong, but I know this drink is really going to make me feel good. Or I know that this drug or this, whatever this is that I'm feeling, besides Christ, that I'm going to fill in my life, that gives me hope because I know I can depend on that. But they're depending upon the wrong thing. They need to be able to look to us and see, hey, even though, how can you be so hopeful? You know, as brother, oh, testing one, two, there you go. About how, well, people, if, if Brother Mike was upset at work, something must be really going on, right? They, they know that if, if something, if, if he, I can be happy during these times of everything else that's going on, what is it that you have, right, that I don't know about? What do you have that, that makes you that way, that gives you that hope, that opens the door to lead us into, hey, well, let me tell you about it. Let me talk about it here. Test one, two. All right, the handoff. So we have that. We have to live that hope. The world needs people. It needs a church with confident hope. It needs a church with not misplaced hope, but a secured hope in Jesus Christ. The words of Jesus himself teach us this, that unfortunately things are going to get a lot better before things get worse. That's always comforting, uh, especially for the Christian. Matthew 24, 6 through 8 says, Jesus talking here, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. 
For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places, and all of these are the beginning of sorrows. So he says, be not troubled, for these things, they have to come. It's not nothing you can do to make them not come. It has to happen. It's ironic because the reasons around us why we should have hopelessness are the exact reason why we should have hope. Because we know that we look around, God said these times were coming. That means he's coming closer. That means that, you know, there's going to be wars and, and, and nations against nations. Okay, I see it happening. Well, guess what? Jesus said that was going to happen, but the end is not yet. We still have an expected hope for when he comes. We see these things happening and distressing everyone else. We see a reason to them that they're just pointing towards his coming. We're not looking behind. We're not looking at the, cor- the future. Or we're not looking at the current of what's going on right now. We're looking ahead to the future and saying, these things are happening now, but that's just one step closer. That's just one movement closer to God's coming. Amen. To convince others that we have this hope, as, the, as Peter mentioned in there, we need ourselves to be convinced. We cannot waver on this fact. We cannot waver that God is our hope, that God's people, we are expected to live by God's hope and not by the world's expectations. If we live by the world's expectations, we're just doing the exact, we're living up to what they expect us to be. Like, I look around, what makes you different than anybody else? But if we have a hope, we are living by that hope. I don't think if we live in such a way, if we don't, live in such a way to honor Christ. We need to do it in the way we dress, the way we talk, the think, we react. We are different from the world. That opens the door to say, what hope is this that you have? There must be something about our lives that results in us acting differently from the world. And sometimes people, they don't hear our words until they see our deeds. They say actions speak louder than words, and not that they both matter when in dealing with uh, dealing with Christ and the things of the spiritual world. Our words matter and our actions matter. But 1 Peter 2.12 says, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God for when he judges the world. That is not to say that what we do, as he says, is more important, but they have to align. We have to align. We have to forget, must not forget to explain the reason for our hope, which is the great the gentleness and respect. We talked about that previously as well, that when you are talking with other Christians, we have to come at it in a right way. We have to come at it with gentleness and humbleness and not with a, you know, a hammer over the head because that doesn't always work. Sometimes maybe it does, but I, more than often it's not going to. Their hearts have to be prepared. God has to call them. God has to lead their hearts. And when they open the door, that's when you have the opportunity to speak and sow good seeds into their lives. And we have to be ready for that. As the, as the scripture said, we have to be ready and we have to do it with gentleness. We have to do it with meekness in the way we talk. But we have this undying hope that we know that it's never going to go away. In Romans 8, 35, we could share with them, how do we know that we have this hope? It's never going to change. There's a lot of factors and a lot of things that go into that could affect us in life. But this is one of my favorite uh, scriptures that are in the, in the Bible. It talks about, it says, who shall, which you probably know, who shall separate us from the love of God, right? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. 
For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that subject because it's so true that nothing that is in this world, I think we pretty much named it all there, is going to separate us from the love of God. Amen? If you can think of something, feel free to add it, but I think they pretty much covered the basis there. No family, no no president, no pandemic, nothing in this world is going to separate us from God's love. Amen? We have an eternal hope. God has us in his hands regardless of the troubles that we see around us. That's what Peter was trying to, to, uh, to, to tell the people in his epistle. What he's trying to tell us, no matter if you're being persecuted. Today, in today's society, I tell you today, if you are being persecuted at your job or with your, at school or, or with other people, if you're being persecuted, it does not separate you from God's love. Because that is still how people are treating you. It's not how God sees you. And sometimes we tune our ears to what other people are saying, and we let that negativity get inside of us. We let that negativity say, well, well maybe they're right. Maybe I'm not worthy for God. Maybe God doesn't love me. And we, tune, we hear that, and that God puts us that in our, or God doesn't put it, but the devil puts that in our head. we got to think, God, I know you love me. I know you do. And we have to rebuke those thoughts. We have to be ready. We have to be ready for what the world has to say for us. We have to hold on to that hope. As we said, that very, that opportunity that we have, people's fear, if they come to with you, say, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. I, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what this pandemic is going to do. If they have anxiety, if they have, if they're facing depression, if they come to you, that's your opening. That's your door where you say, well, let me, let me talk. Let us have a conversation because I know someone that could do that. Let me tell you what God did for me. I had anxiety before, and God helped me with my anxiety. I had depression before, and God helped me with my depression. So if he helped me, I'm no different than you. God can help you as well. We can be a witness to this lost and dying world as long as we portray that hope, as long as we manifest that hope externally. Peter's words remind us for the need of the readiness to be ready. Live with the willingness to respond to the moment that God grants you. It's called the divine appointment. God will send those along. If we pray, God, open a door. I'm sure many of you have mentioned that before. If you pray, God, you know, let me just talk to someone. Open a door, and then it won't be that much long later, you'll be talking to someone like, hey, I was wondering about so. Like, oh, okay, this is my time. This is it. I'm sensitive at that point, right? But if we are not praying for those doors, if we're not being sensitive to when God opens those doors, because that's when he is ready that's where he's ready for us to speak. Amen. So we have to be willing to let him speak through us. We are willing to respond in that moment. As it says, be ready to give your answer. To give, and that answer just may be your testimony. Pastor's been talking a lot about it, um, of giving of our testimony and how powerful that it can be. Because it's personal to us. No one can take that away from you. Your testimony is your testimony. I don't care what anybody else says in the world. You can know, tell people what God did for you. No one can say, well, I don't believe that. You're like, well, that's fine. I know what he did, and I'm not lying, so you can believe me. <laughs> so we have to be prepared, though, to live in that moment when God grants it. Peter's words tell us clearly that our hope should be visible as well. Be prepared to tell those who ask us that they can see the difference within us. Some Christians live with no obvious differences in their lives, presenting no alternate hope. And if we are to reach our city 
if we're going to have the revival that's been prophesied for this church, if we're going to have revival that's been, that's been talking about in our city in these last days, knowing God, loving people, changing lives, if we're going to be able to do that, we have to show them by acting not like the world, but showing this hope, this God, this Holy Ghost, it changes us. We're no longer what we used to do. We no longer say the things that we used to say. We are different in this world. We can't be selfish if we rejoice in our hope, but we refuse to share it with anyone else. Because God said, it's whosoever will. It's not just for me. It's not just for you. It's not just for a pastor. It's not just for a particular race or class. It's for whosoever will. Amen. Can't we all stand? We have our uh, praise team go ahead and come back up. So you may be thinking, well, how can we respond positively to the awful things that have been going around? How can we respond positively to a world that doesn't want to hear Jesus? The world that doesn't want to hear Christ because they think it's just a bunch of rules. That they see religion and they don't see God. How do we show them that? My advice is that we look to our scripture text. We see what Peter outlined for us. He said, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. That every man that asketh. A reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. So that first part, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Make sure Jesus is the center of your affection. Make sure that he is the core of of your being, that everything else goes around him. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Make sure that you're praising him, that you're praying. Second part, be ready always to give an answer. Be ready always. It doesn't say sometimes. It doesn't just say on your good days. It says on your bad days when you haven't had your coffee yet in the morning. On your bad days when your coworkers are annoying the fire out of you, but you still got to portray Christ to them, even though they're asking the same question over and over and over again. It's very personal for me, just letting you know. We have to persevere. We have to persevere in living with a positive heart towards others, because the world is used to seeing negativity. The world sees that all the time. They see each other bashing each other and, and tearing down one another. You give them a positive reaction, that's, hmm, what, why are you so positive all the time? What, what's going on? Be ready to give your answer. Be positive towards them. And finally, give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope within you with meekness and fear. We pass on our hope to others as well. That hopefully they can see Christ and they can have that same hope that you do. It probably won't happen overnight. It may not just happen with one meeting with them. But if you cultivate a relationship where you can sow some seeds in there, that may have a little hope in their lives as well because you don't know what they're going through. You can't see the people that you interact with, what their, what their uh, home life is like, what their family is like, what the, the demons that they may be facing. But if we show them Jesus, if we show them a little bit of hope, maybe they, they can think, hey, maybe there is a chance for me. Maybe what that person said is true. Maybe I will go try out that church and see what they're, they're talking about, about this Jesus. Because he seems to... People seem to like him, so I must, he must be a good guy, right? Maybe he can hope. Maybe he can help me as well. Pass on the hope with the conviction with which you hold on to it. Not wavering. Not us saying, we're like, yeah, it's okay, but you know, it has its ups and downs. Like, no, I know I have a hope in Jesus Christ. I know 
what he's done for me. And I know I have a hope waiting for me tomorrow. It may not be the next day. It may not be the day after that or the coming years. But God is coming back and I want to be ready. Whether the Lord takes me today or he allows me tarry until he comes, I want to be ready. And I pray that that is our, our prayer here tonight. So as the praise singers sing, I believe we, I didn't preach very long. We have some time here. I pray that we would close our eyes across this building. We would take the opportunity to be able to pray to God. That he, if that hope is lacking in your life, if you look and you've been affected by the things that are going around, I pray that God's strength is the hope that's inside of you. That you do not, that you have a, a positive outlook for what's going to happen and a rock solid hope that God is going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you just as in Romans said, nothing can separate us from his love. That God will help us to manifest that hope. If we have that hope internally, but we're not showing it externally, pray that God helps us to manifest that externally to the people that we come in contact with and that we can show this lost and dying world that there is a reason to hope. There is a reason to continue living. That there is a reason to keep living. That God has a plan for them just as much as he has a plan for each and every one of us. So as a praise singer sing, let's pray to God. Let's ask him that he would show us, God, what he has planned for us. That he would strengthen that hope within us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.